Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This is the Freddie and Harry podcast on ESPN Radio. Causing marital discord all over the country. Welcome to the best show on your radio. It is Freddie and Harry. He is Harry Douglas. I'm Freddie Coleman together on the ESPN app. Sirius XM Channel 80 and always, always, always tell your smart speaker to play ESPN radio. 30 minutes away from Russell Wilson must know something about his maybe future in the NFL not being a starting quarterback. That comes your way in about 30 minutes. But plenty of people having discussions when it comes to basketball involving court storming and college basketball. And it could be Boston's world in the NBA and everybody else will have to live in it when it comes to that. Let's bring somebody who knows both of those situations. He is Austin Rivers. Does a great job as an ESPN NBA analyst, former NBA player. Hit him on social media, Austin Rivers 25. Austin, I'll start with your school. Duke basketball involved in the court storming incident at they lost the Wake Forest on Saturday. Kyle Filipowski, he got injured having a run with a fan. What are your thoughts with all this conversation about court storming when it comes to college basketball? Uh, first off, thank you all for having me. I appreciate you. Um, you know, in, in regards into the you know incident, it, it's a tough one just because this obviously is a dynamic where you have culture uh, and you have a history of you know, court storming being synonymous with college basketball. Uh, the issue is now is a lot of things change over time. Uh, someone had brought up an interesting point earlier today that college basketball has also changed. We know we're paying athletes. This is more of a business than ever. We have to protect our business. We have to protect our product. The product is the athlete. And no other sport do they do this, or I mean, no other, you know, profession do they do this. They don't do this in the NBA. They don't storm the court because yeah. if they storm the court, somebody would get rocked. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's just, that's just the case of the matter. But you highlight that you have – you know, a bunch of drunk kids, a lot of them are. We all know what we do in college. When these kids are at the game, they're drunk, and you upset a, you know, a Duke, you upset a North Carolina, one of the Blue Bloods. You know, they're going to storm the court. It was crazy that this incident happened in the first place because Wake Forest was favored to win. Um, it's only that you storm the court when you are actually admitting that you're inferior of a program. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. that's, the only, that's the only time you storm the court. So, you know, when this happened, I, it was already bewildering to me just because, you know, Wake Forest actually has a pretty solid team this year. And Duke, you know, is right there kind of in the middle of the pack. You never know. Uh, with that being said, you know, it, it's unfortunate. You don't want to see this happen. And it also just we're just following this up with the Caitlin Clark incident. Um, I'm not sitting here. I'm not trying to be the Grinch and say, take it away. We just, if we're going to continue to allow this, then let's be strategic about it. Uh, and there's a variety of ways that you can fix this and change this. Um, whether it's putting a minute up, letting the players, you know, go, whether there's one section that's only allowed to storm the court. And if you're a student, you know, you have to go in that section. If you want to storm the court, you got to walk around the other side of the arena, which is very easy to do, and run down that stairwell. Like, maybe you could control which way. Maybe we add more security to games. I, I don't know. There's a variety of options. But just having thousands of kids storm the court after a team just got emotionally, you know, embarrassed, because that's usually when they storm the court, right? It's an upset. It's a bad combination. The fact that we haven't had more incidents like this, or one's worse, is, you know, is already alarming. Uh, but we've had two within this year where college stars, two good players who have futures beyond the college level, you know, have issues. So you, know, you want to see some type of course of action taking place. 
and not just Austin, the NCAA sit idle by and do nothing. Austin, do you think there's a situation where whether it's a the team that's storming the about to storm the court, their fans, or the opposing team could call a timeout, or could it be something that the well, referees see something that's going on? There was a timeout call right before the game ended. Um, and, you know, a lot of the players were taken out of the game. The problem is that whoever is left on the court when that buzzer rings, if, if they're not off the court in five, ten seconds, and usually they, the kids start running even before that. I mean, it's like two, one, those guys are already on the floor running at you. And, listen, these kids aren't running by the opposing team not saying anything to them, guys. You know what I'm saying? Like, I've been on that side. I, I remember I was at Duke for the one year I was there. We lost to Temple, the upset. And as soon as they got to three seconds, these, these kids are already running on the floor. You know what I mean? It's just, and they're running by saying all type of stuff to me, you know, all type of curse words, this, this, and that. And we're talking about young men. These aren't grown men. These, we're talking about kids. So you're asking, you know, a kid who's already in an emotional state on both sides, whether the fans being emotional, you have to be emotional to take your ass on the court and run around. Okay. For me to like <laughs> go run on the floor after I just, my team just won, even though I didn't play a minute, I have to be either drunk or I have to be heavily emotional to do something like that. <laughs> and then on the other side, you have the athlete who just took a loss. And we all know, like, you know, we, we kind of live and die by sometimes that type of feelings. When you lose, it's the end of the world. When you win, it's the best thing. Moments right after a victory, when you haven't even had time to like really like soak and have your time, you know, usually like that's why they give a player 30, 40 minutes before you do interviews after a game. You know what I mean? Like when you lose, you don't just go straight to the, to the, to the podium. You have time to shower, relax, regroup. And then that way when you address the media, you're not as emotional and you're not saying things. We're talking about these kids are running off the stands onto the court within three seconds right after you just got embarrassed and got upset. It's a bad combination. So I don't know what needs to be done, but something has to be done because we're, we're asking ourselves just to hope for the best. Yeah. And that's not the best interest in the college player. It might be culturally for the, for the fan base. It might make a cool picture to hang up in your lobby, but we're, we're, we're endangering college athletes, especially on the opposing team and the visiting team. Great, great stuff. Great perspective by Austin Rivers. Played in college basketball for Duke. Played in the NBA. Now an ESPN NBA analyst joining us here on Freddie and Harry on ESPN Radio. Hit him on Twitter at Austin Rivers twenty five. You mentioned the NBA because we know court storming the NBA. Those tickets cost way too much court side for people to do that and leave those seats and storm any kind of floor in a potential championship <laughs> situation. The Bucks want to be champions again. They're two and zero ever since they got back from the All Star break. And Doc Rivers, your dad said, guys were in Cabo. It seems like that message has been able to get across. What have you been able to see the last couple of games that we did not see from the Bucks the first ten games when Doc Rivers was head coach? Well, for one, they're healthy. When when they were three and seven in those ten games, Damian Lillard missed eight of them. I don't know how people missed that point, but it seemed, you know, that's kind of the business we're in. We always kind of overreact and try to make something into what. We did the same thing two months prior to the Clippers when they were like 0-6 or 7 or whatever they were, and then they went on to be 25-5 and right after that. You know, it takes time. It takes continuity. To have a huge change, a coaching change, is the biggest thing you can do because, you know, and I've seen other players like, hey, it's hard when you get traded midseason. No, it's not as hard when you're as a player. A player, the only person you've got to focus about is yourself. When you get traded to a new team as a player, the only thing you can control is your play. When you're a coach, you have to control everything or, or you know, you're, you're setting a whole new system, a whole new offense, a whole new defense. There are so many changes. I mean, they just mid-year, after being 30 and 13, a very controversial fire, obviously, it garnered a lot of attention. And then they bring in my dad. Like, that's going to, you know, they bring in Doc. That's going to be issues, you know, just in terms of right away when you have to, like, revamp the whole system. Um, you know I mean? They got new defensive strategies, new plays, all these things. They don't have any continuity, really. 
You know, Damien's been up and down with injuries. He's been up and down in play. So is Chris Middleton. You know, what we're seeing now is them being more healthy, and we're seeing that continuity grow. The, the, the big win was versus Minnesota because that propelled them. Right after all-star break on the road to go into mini and get that win, that can give you something. You know, sometimes it only takes one big game to get that snowball rolling the opposite way to where that snowball effect now is positive, not negative. Um, so hope you just want to hope you see the Bucks do that because you want a good Eastern Conference Finals. You know, whether they go to the championship or not, who knows, but, like, you want Boston to have somebody in the way to where they're not just steamrolling on the playoffs. It makes better TV. It makes better, you know, quality basketball. And I think the Bucks can get there. They just got to keep rolling. And I'm glad you brought up the Boston Celtics because when you look at Milwaukee, are they the only threat to the Celtics in the East, or is there another team that you feel can pose a threat to if Boston? Julius, if Julius Randle can get healthy, the Knicks are absolutely a team. They're deep enough, and they have enough guys that defend and play on both sides. Devin Chinzo's a defender who's now having his best offensive season. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you have OG, a physical guy. Josh Hart's kind of a grinded out, uh, uh, you know, for what he lacks in skill, he makes up in heart, no pun intended. Um, <laughs> you know, they have all of those pieces. And then you, then you have Julius Brent, uh, Julius, I'm sorry, Randall, spearheaded by Brunson, who's had a big time, big time year. I mean, he's coming off a good year to turning into a great year. I mean, people were mad that Damian Lillard started over in the All-Star game just to give you a context of how good he's been playing. So you have two guys you can close the game with. Uh, and then them adding Burks and um, Bogdanovich was huge. It alleviates pressure in terms of scoring because both of those guys can put up 10, 15. Bogdanovich give you 20. Um, and, you know, they also can defend in their physical. So they got like five, six, seven guys that not only can put the ball in the basket, but they'll turn around the other end and play that Thibodeau defense. They're absolutely a threat to anybody in the East, especially if healthy. Austin, I'm glad you said that because when I mentioned that earlier oh in the boy. show, you know, I had someone tweet me and ask me what was I smoking in my pipe, <laughs> and I, I just didn't understand. Absolutely a threat. I don't know what Th- they're smoking. They must, they, they're smoking the stuff. Thank you, Austin. Thank you, Austin. Are, are, are you two finished? Yeah. <laughs> okay, okay, go ahead, Freddie. Sorry. <laughs> I'll buy the Austin. Do have, go ahead, Austin. Do we, do we have a moment? We had a moment? Oh, we did. Uh, you certainly we did. did. <laughs> Put it this way, Austin Rivers, ESPN NBA analyst on Freddie and Harry and ESPN Radio. The reason Harry is smiling, Austin, he's a Hawks fan. I don't know if he's trolling or being real. So I'm going to give you the credit because I'm going to trust your expertise more than Harry Douglas trolling me as an Atlanta <laughs> Hawks fan. But I will point yep. this I will point this out, Austin. I believe the biggest threat to Boston is Boston. The biggest threat to Denver in the West is Denver. What are your thoughts on that? Um, I mean, to that aspect, the Boston is the best team in the East right now. They've kind of run away with it, you know, like seven, eight games ahead of everybody else at this point. Um, yeah, I mean, Boston's biggest threat, you know, is probably them just due to the fact that they have the most pressure. You know, yep. when you talk about the Celtics, it's either they make the finals and win or it's a bad year. That's yep. a hell of a standard to be living by. You know what I mean? Like, not that many teams have that standard realistically. I know we talk about the Suns and all these other teams that are like, oh, they're contending, but Celtics are like a team that is built to be in the finals and they've had success in recent years getting there. So people want to see them get over the hump, especially Jason Tatum to become that face of the league type energy. In terms of the Nuggets, you know, they've won one and they have a really good team. We've seen that every time they play, like an elite team, they just win. They went into Boston, they won. They went into Phoenix, they won. They they they, they beat the Warriors the other night. They keep just setting that bar yep. so high that they're validating themselves each time. So you just can't count them out. I will say this, though, man. The Clippers are awfully dangerous. I know they had a loss the other night, so they could be up and down. But in the seven-game series, they got a lot of talent, and they're, they are dangerous. I think that's the biggest threat to them. 
along with Phoenix, who looks like they're starting to come along. Obviously, Brad and those guys have to be healthy, but you know, Nuggets in, in Boston are the safe bets for sure. Now, one of the things also I think I noticed when it came to, comes to the Clippers is that, and I understand these two players are very dynamic and they're really, really good players in the NBA. When I look at Shea Gilgis-Alexander and what he did to the Clippers and then De'Aaron Fox came right behind him mm-hmm. and did what he did to the Clippers, they, they struggle against excellent, excellent play of players that are wiry, that handle the basketball, that are quick and also fast. Is that a concern when you get into the playoffs for the Los Angeles Clippers? It should be. Just due to the fact that they're going to have to keep the ball in front. You know, people talk about their defense, but when you talk about their defense, they're wing defenders. You know, you hit it on the head. Kawhi Leonard's a great defender, but he's not supposed to be guarding someone who's super quick. He's The guy's like 6'8". You know what I mean? Paul George is a wing defender. P.J. Tucker guards forwards. They don't really play P.J. as much. Right. Terrence Mann's even like 6'7". Like, they don't have guys that are going to slide their feet, you know, really turning dudes at the guard position. And obviously James Harden is a guy that, for everything that he is offensively, defensively, he's not great. But he can guard bigger guards, and he can guard even power forwards because he's a lot stronger than what people think he is. They don't have guys that keep a ball in front. You know, you hit on the head. When they play De'Aaron Foxes, the John Morants, the, I mean, everybody saw what Shea Alexander did. That was disgusting the other night in OKC. <laughs> they kind of struggle with that a little bit. Even a Norman Powell, a great player. These guys are all offensive players, but they're all wing defenders. They do need – I would like them to have gotten just like a guard that they can throw in there who can really just be in there to slide their feet and be a perimeter defender. It could, it could be an issue, yeah. yeah. No doubt about that. I knew he was going to be terrific when we found out Austin Rivers was going to be an ESPN NBA analyst. He has gone far and beyond. He is really, really good. Hit him up on Twitter. Great follow at Austin Rivers 25 Always gracious with his time and expertise on Freddie and Harry. Keep it the great work, Austin. We'll talk to you soon, and thank you so much again, my man. I appreciate you guys. Have a great, uh, great week, man. You too. I knew he was going to be terrific. And just his perspective and breaking it down to a language that anybody can understand because you raised a great point about a team that I think has the biggest boom-bust potential in the West when it comes to Los Angeles Clippers. And he said, yeah, but in, in the land of roadrunners and meat meeps, we saw how they had a problem with that last night because De'Aaron yep. Fox, especially he got that technical, he was possessed after that at both ends of the floor. They couldn't do anything with him. Then they sit him down, and Malik Monk and Davion Mitchell, they were wearing them out. So that's why I think that boom-or-bust potential they're the biggest ones because if they can't guard those meat meeps, that's going to be a problem with the Los Angeles Clippers, no matter how dangerous, like you and Austin Rivers pointed out about this team offensively. But defensively, you got to be able to guard, especially when things get tight in the playoff situation. And, and Freddie, how many times do we talk about how great point guard play has to be, Absolutely. but also how you have to defend that position because there are so many great point guards in the NBA. And I would even take it back to when they lost to the Golden State, excuse me, when they uh, when they beat the Golden State Warriors, but Steph Curry still had 41 in that game and yep, gave yep. them a chance to win. Yep. So they're struggling guarding the opposing team's point guard. When we talk about one of these guys that we view as stars, but also stu- superstars. And when you talk about a, a seven-game series, well, I won't – James Harden to be defending me if I'm the point guard coming down because I know I'm going to get a bucket when I want to get a bucket. Mm -hmm. So that's something they're going to have to figure out. Okay, when we get down to playoff basketball or towards the tail end of the season, how are we going to defend the opposing team's point guard? Because that's an issue that I see that can come up in the playoffs. But for me, Freddie, I'm going to go with the Dallas Mavericks. Okay. 
that that's my team that I have as the biggest boom or bust, and it's because of the defensive end of the ball. We know Kyrie Irving and Luka Doncic; those two guys can score with the best of the best. Mm-hmm. Hell, they're probably two of the best scorers that we have, we've ever seen. Kyrie Irving has the best handles I've ever seen in the NBA. But you can't score sixty and give up seventy. Yes. That's my issue when it comes to the Dallas Mavericks, who are actually playing good basketball right now. But when it comes to a a, a a time where you have to get stops on the defensive end, I don't believe in Luka defending. I don't believe in Kyrie Irving defending. It's a fair point, especially when you have both of those guys like you mentioned. When they can go, they can go. The one thing that could really, really help them, I love the pickups they made the trading da- deadline, getting Gafford and Washington Jr., Guys who can guard the inside can guard in the perimeter. This way, you're not putting that kind of stress on Kyrie Irving because we know that's not what he does. Luka Doncic, he's been better, but it's easy to go from zero to one when it comes defensively. And Luka Doncic, and now Tim Hardaway Jr. does not have to be the only guy to be your stopper when it comes to perimeter. They got, they've been able to fortify themselves inside and outside. But to me, the biggest question about the Dallas Mavericks, it used to be who was going to get the ball late. That's been solved. It's yep. going to be Luka Doncic, as he said, and everybody can, can play off of him. The biggest question for me when it comes to Dallas, the kind of style they play in the regular season, can they continue that in the postseason? It's a lot easier when you're playing teams night after night and they can't game plan. How can Jason Kidd find a way? Because we, saw, we know he can do it. Yep. We saw the year they got to the Western Conference Finals. They went into Phoenix Suns, and they shot the orange out of that basketball Listen, that they, night. They got to the Western Conference Finals that year, and I, and I don't care what anybody say. You can be mad at me all you want to if you're a Dallas Mavericks fan. I don't know how the hell they did it, but they got there. And, and that's when Jalen Brunson really showed a lot of mm-hmm. people that yep. he was worth more than the Dallas Mavericks were actually trying to pay him. Yeah, no doubt because about that. Because he held mm-hmm. the fort down early in that playoffs until Luka was able to get back and be healthy before they lost in the Western Conference Finals. Yeah, because that's why they were so hot and bothered about him signing with the Knicks. And I'll raise my hand. When the Knicks signed that contract, I said, whew, that's a lot of money for a guy that was essentially a backup player. But the Knicks knew about him. Nobody saw this from Jalen Brunson. There, there's no one that said when he gives to the New York Knicks, that guy's going to average close to 26 points a game. You're lying if you said anything like that. So he's been better than even the contract that he's got from the New York Knicks. But now if you're the Dallas Mavericks, you believe you got a guy that can be better for you in the playoffs when it comes to Kyrie Irving. You mentioned his handles. He handles like you put juice in a coffee cup. He's not going to spill a drop when it comes to Kyrie Irving. But can that style transfer in a loaded Western Conference? When you got Phoenix, you got the Lakers potentially, you got Golden State, you got Sacramento, you got the Clippers, you got OKC, you got Minnesota, you got Phoenix. Can that tra- and Denver? Can't forget about them, the defending champs. Can that transfer in the playoffs the way they've been able to play so far? And they're still in the middle of things when it comes to the Western Conference. And I think, Freddie, to end this segment the right way, um, it's clearly obvious that what I'm smoking in my pipe is that good, good, compared to what (laughs) the young man hit me up on Twitter is smoking in his pipe, which is probably that bad, bad. (laughs) Because me and Austin Rivers said the exact same thing. As soon as Austin Rivers said that, I thought for sure you were going to break out and do your Michael Jackson <laughs> and start moonwalking around the Douglas compound down there in Atlanta. Because I just don't understand why people think because I play football, I don't know basketball. <laughs> I don't understand it. It's okay. Don't, don't get in your feelings that way. Yeah, I was in my feelings. <laughs> yes, you certainly I, I was. Yes, you certainly were. But, but to your point about the Knicks and what you and Austin Rivers said, yeah, when that, that height gets back, I'm hoping that is going to be the case. I would love for that to be the case. Have to be healthy, though. But they have to be healthy, and we've seen that when Julius Brown has not been healthy, that puts a lot of stress on Jalen Brunson. 
and Boston has a lot longer defenders that can make it extremely tough on him. We saw that in the second half Saturday night. You made the point about how, what the Lakers were able to do right for the All-Star break. That's why it's imperative, not just Julius Randle and OG Ananobi coming back, but height coming back to the New York Knicks. Mitchell You're gonna, Robinson. Yeah, exactly, Mitchell Robinson. Well, Hardenstein's been really good, so I think that can balance that off. But when you got to do a Boston, Milwaukee, Cleveland, longer defenders in your point guard in a mm-hmm. seven-game series, that's where Julius Randle and OG Ananobi have to come in to help out Jalen Brunson. All right, let me put my pipe down. Go ahead, take us out, Freddie. No problem, Mr. Pipe. He's Harry Douglas and Freddie Cohen together. And Freddie and Harry presented by Progressive Insurance and ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel 80, and always tell your smart speaker to play ESPN Radio. And what does Russell Wilson know about not being a starting quarterback in the NFL in 2024 or never again? That's next. The Freddie and Harry Podcast. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jet's signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jet's Pizza. Better because it has to be. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Now, let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac, weighing heavy on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And boom! Añejo Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good! Shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the hypnotic team. Every season is hypnotic and tequila season. Hypnotic liqueur, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. It's the Red Game Monday edition of Freddie and Harry, presented by Progressive Insurance with Harry Douglas and Freddie Coleman. Thanks for joining us on Sirius XM Channel 80 and also your smart speaker to play ESPN Radio. Progressive Insurance, they make it easy to save money. They will bundle your auto policy with home, condo, or renter's insurance, and you'll earn a multi-policy discount. It is easy to bundle. It is also easy to save. All you have to do is visit Progressive.com. So I think Russell Wilson is going to be cut loose by the Denver Broncos. But I think we can also, when you hear this, that he does not want to be cut from the Denver Broncos. If they don't cut him before March 13th, they don't move on from him, not only will they have to owe him, Harry Douglas, $39 million, but even the money against the cap next year goes into effect at $37 million, which means that potentially, and Mike Greenberg said it best this morning, get up. If he doesn't answer his phone before March 13th, he could get $76 million and not to do anything. If he decides to hang up his phone or throw it in the ocean or whatever that is. But he addressed the uncertainty of his NFL future. And not just as a starting quarterback, but as a quarterback. 
part of the I Am Athlete podcast with former Broncos wide receiver Brandon Marshall. It was a wide-ranging 84-minute interview. Russell Wilson says it's all about a ring. It's all about carrying the win, but... So you sitting here at 35, you say you feel the best you've ever felt. Do you still have that obsession? I got more fire than ever, honestly, especially over the past two years of what I've gone through. Whether it's in Denver or somewhere else, I, I hope it's in Denver. You know, I hope I get to finish there. I, I committed there. I wanted to be there. You know, I want to be there. For me, it's about winning. Over the next five years, I want to win too. I want to feel the chill of that trophy again. You know, I, I love the city and everything else. But, you know, you also want to be a place that, that wants you too. So the thing that I, I, I want to do is, is, is win, man. That's all, that's all I care about. Let me say this. I don't think anyone who's going to get $39 million this year from the Denver Broncos, and if he's on the roster by a certain time frame, he's going to get $37 million next year. He's going to go on a microphone and say, man, yeah, I want to be cut. Where's the next team? <laughs> Not when you can guarantee $37 million more million mm-hmm. for the next year if you're on the roster past a certain point. Mm-hmm. So I think, number one, what Russ is doing is – what I seen from Justin Fields uh, last week, right? He's saying the politically correct thing in the matter when a microphone is in front of his face. And do I think Russell Wilson can be a starting quarterback in this league still? Of course I do. Right. But right now he has to understand, and he understands the logistics of, of, of everything. And even if he does throw that phone in the ocean, Freddie, <laughs> listen, if they release him, he'll find out when he get the new one. <laughs> if, if, if he if he can't find out while he's out there on that ocean, he'll find out when he go get that new phone mm-hmm. and that and, and that service get hooked up and all them messages and them tweets and them Instagram posts come in that Russell Wilson has been released by the Denver Broncos. Right. He don't have to he don't have to answer to be cut. <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't at all. <laughs> One of the things you just said after I stopped laughing when it comes to Russell Wilson. It can't be easy for a guy that it wasn't that long ago. We looked at him as a potential elite quarterback, and now he may be completely toxic to a team out there in terms of being a starting quarterback. Russell Wilson has the opportunity to be a starting quarterback once again. The problem with that is there won't be enough slots out there for him to be a starting quarterback. And you're right. I'm sure you put Denver's name out there thinking, y'all keep me, y'all going to pay me $76 million. Think think about that. Mm -hmm. $39 million this year, Mm -hmm. $37 million the following year. Exactly. You're damn right when I get a microphone, Freddie, I'm going to say the politically correct thing (laughs) to try to see if I can stay in Denver, even if they don't want me. Right. And Sean Payne has made it very, very clear. He does not want Russell Wilson. So when not if, but when they move on from him, what do you think he has left? as a starting quarterback. And I wonder how much of that uncertainty is now in the mind of Russell Wilson because we know he cares about winning and he wants to get another ring. He also even mentioned, he want, if he says, if I play another five years, I want to get at least two championships. And I'm thinking, well, why not? Why not? You're going to play another five years? Want five championships. When you put a marker on it like that two and five years, you're letting everybody know that you believe you can get another team two championships, but many people wonder if you're going to get that team to a championship game. So wherever he is going to play and he's not going to be competing for a starting quarterback position or if they bring him in and say you're going to be the number two backup to our guy, I still wonder, as much as he is competitive, how much Russell Wilson and his pride and his name will deal with that. Well, number one, Freddie, you know, mm-hmm. if I'm getting paid $39 million regardless of the outcome, hey – 
My daughter Harrison is sitting right in front of me. Going uh-huh. on that girl. Daddy's on air right now. <laughs> <laughs> She's like, I but heard I my tell name. You this, uh-huh. But I tell you this. If you're paying me $39 million, I'm going to be right here with Harrison, Prince, my <laughs> wife at home, continuously to build everything in my household <laughs> until the following year. I, I, I really, I'm just being honest. I really am, Freddie. Nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with that. I get it. I understand it. Harry Douglas, Freddie Cohen together, and Freddie Harry on ESPN Radio. To bring some memory to your memory, two days after Christmas, on December 27th, Denver Broncos coach Sean Payton decided to bench Russell Wilson and favor Jared Stidham for the game against the Chargers. He also started the season finale against the Las Vegas Raiders in Las Vegas on January 7th. So he has let everybody know. Sean Payton said, I'm done with Russell Wilson. I'm not the one that committed that money to him. You guys decide to do that. I don't have to be bothered with that. And Sean Payton has a lot of stroke in the National Football League. I wonder how many teams are actually calling him to say, okay, we're thinking about Russell Wilson. And what is that conversation going to sound like? Because I'm hoping that Sean Payton is not going to be on total blast when it comes to Russell Wilson. I'm hoping that that's not going to be the case as far as that goes. But if you're Russell Wilson, that is something you got to be worried about. What kind of message? If some if somebody calls because he's the last coach to coach Russell Wilson, what kind of message is Sean Payton putting out there about a guy that he no longer wanted but still believes he can be a starting quarterback and a successful quarterback in the National Football League? Well, if Sean Payton's smart and he's trying to help out the organization, which is the Denver Broncos, he would probably be saying great stuff about Russell Wilson and not bad stuff because you would want whatever team is – getting Russ to try to take up as much of the salary as possible. True. So your organization doesn't have to pay it. So if I'm Sean Payton and I'm getting calls from teams, I'm saying if we have to talk about everything about Russell Wilson, mm-hmm. I'm, am I going to lie? No, I'm not going to lie, yeah. but I'm also not going to let the negatives overshadow the positives that I tell one of those coaches. Absolutely. No or doubt any about other that. organization. It makes you look bad. No doubt exactly. about that. I tell you one team that should take a flyer on him. And that's the New England Patriots. You should, I like that. You should draft a quarterback with the third pick in the draft. Let him sit for a year. Let him sit for a year. Let how, Russell Wilson do his thing. Let him, Russell was doing his thing. You're starting over anyway. You're going to want to be a run first, play defense kind of team like you have been. But at least you got a quality quarterback better than the two guys combined together. That completely washed out of New England when it came to Mac Jones, who you got in the first round, and Bailey Zappi, who you drafted later on, later on in that draft. Those two guys are washouts as far as I'm concerned. If you're the Patriots and you want to get this thing and get it back and you draft the quarterback that you believe in the third pick of the draft, why not take a fly on Russell Wilson? It's not going to cost you a lot of money. And we know how cheap the Patriots have been for 24 years under Bill Belichick. That salary is already taken care of, that $39 million. You don't have to worry about committing any kind of money to Russell Wilson. Well, it, it would only it would be the minimum. It would only be like a million something dollars. Exactly. Yeah, and, and but that's me, but that, that's what you want if you're New England. Right, pennies Listen, on the dollar. Of that salary, that's that's Denver's problem. Yeah, Denver is going to have to pay that out. They're going to have to dip into the petty cash fund and pay that out because that's a contract that they signed to Russell Wilson. So it's not going to cost you that kind of pennies on the dollar, and you get your guy ready. And if you're Russell Wilson, it's a chance to have a chance to do for yourself what Baker Mayfield did first with the Los Angeles Rams. And then last year, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. People wonder if he could still play. He not only proved it, but got his team to the playoffs, won the division, won a playoff game, and they didn't make it easy in the Detroit Lions. Russell Wilson could have the same similar situation happen for him if he has a chance to go to a team like the Patriots, who need a starting quarterback, should draft a quarterback, and you have that guy have a gap year before he's finally ready to take over. Freddie, I'm in a dilemma here. Okay, what's the dilemma? 
All right. I have one of the ladies in my household very, very happy with me. Okay. I told you I cleaned out my wife's truck today. Yes, you did. Just sent me a text. Thank you, Daddy, for cleaning out my truck. I really appreciate it. Okay. That's my lady. That's my that's my wifey. Okay. Now, my daughter Harrison, oh as I just mentioned when I told her to get out of here, uh, <laughs> she doesn't have the best of attitudes with me right now. She's uh, oh she's in her feelings like I was a couple segments ago. Okay. With the guy that tweeted me. Uh-huh. So I told her to come here as you know, and she just mm-hmm. rolled her little eyes and went in the oh, living room. Oh man. I have a look she she's salty with me right now. Wait until she's a teenager. That's when the fun is really going to start. <laughs> well, my daughter's seven going on seventy already. Cause boy, I I don't even know if I want to imagine teenage years. Because at seven, you know, she and I love this about my girl now. She she's mm-hmm. got a little sass going on. Mm-hmm. You yeah. know, she's very intelligent, very smart, very athletic. Uh-huh. You know, hey, but she, mm-hmm. we, we also aren't raising mute. She'll tell you how she feels. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. I but, wanna... I, but, I, but I want her and my son to, yeah. when they don't feel easy about something, to be right. able to express it. Now, it's a yeah. way to express it. Sure. But I want them to be expressive. Wait until she's a teenager. You ever see the show The Equalizer? Yes. Your daughter is going to be the daughter to Queen Latifah's Robin McCall and Budding Heads. Because she wants the spot that the lioness has right now. <laughs> Harrison's going to want that spot. <laughs> family dynamic, family protocol be damned. <laughs> Delilah looks at her mother at times and they butt heads when it comes to equalizer. You're gonna, she's going to be the Delilah to Mrs. Harrison's Robin McCall. Wait till she gets to be a teenager. You're going to look back at these days of the glory years. I can promise you. <laughs> oh, man. I'm just, I'm just giving you fair. Shannon Penn, our, our producer, can speak on that. He's got a teenage daughter. He can speak on that. Yeah, man. I'm a sucker for life, bro. <laughs> <laughs> that makes three of us because Freddie is too. <laughs> man, I've been telling yeah, her exactly. to load the dishwasher for four days now. Give it up. It ain't happening. <laughs> the dishes will have to do that themselves. She Shannon's not me, doing that. She said, what? You've been home all day. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. I was like, man, she got a point. <laughs> exactly. The sad part is that you didn't exert any more discipline because she already had. You've been home all day, Dad. You can do it. Yeah, so Braylon ended up loading the dishes. Wow. <laughs> Passed on to child labor. Well done by Shannon. <laughs> but that's the same thing in my house. My mm-hmm. son, I, I sent y'all videos the other night yep. of my, my kids helping me clean. My uh-huh. daughter lasted 10 minutes. Uh-huh. My son lasted the entire hour with yeah. me cleaning the basement. Get ready. It's only going to get worse <laughs> until she becomes a teenager. Happy Douglas. Hit him on Twitter at HDouglas83. I'm Freddie Coleman. Hit me on Twitter, Coleman ESPN. Thanks for joining us on Freddie and Harry, presented by Progressive Insurance. Remember the golden days of running backs in the National Football League? That may be coming back this offseason, but this is ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. The Freddie and Harry Podcast. Ten seconds on the clock. How many things can you name that are always growing? Your relationships. Your skills. Your customer base. How about businesses on Shopify? (laughs) Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash network. All lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash network now to grow your business. No matter what stage you're in, shopify.com slash network.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It is Reggae Monday on Freddie and Harry with Harry Douglas. I'm Freddie Coleman. Thanks for joining us on Sirius X and Channel 80. And always tell you, smart speaker, to play ESPN Radio. We're one of the running back position. We'll still have any friends because according to reports, according to ESPN and sources telling them, franchise tags are unlikely for Josh v- Jacobs of the Las Vegas Raiders, Tony Pollard of the Dallas Cowboys, and Saquon Barkley of the New York Giants. Sources told ESPN Harry Douglas, all those three guys I mentioned are expected to become free agents. Now, the Raiders will attempt to re-sign Jacobs. They're not going to tag him because that tag is going to cost over $14 million. The New York Giants, they're going to do some talking with Saquon Barkley and explore a deal with him, not tagging him. The Dallas Cowboys are also not expected to use the same $12 million tag on Tony Pollard. The Tennessee Titans, they're not tagging Derrick Henry and the Los Angeles Chargers are expected to let Austin Eckler explore free agency. If this was 15 years ago, teams would be going, ooh-wee, we're going to get ourselves a running back. But in 2024, NFL is like, eh, they're all running backs, no matter how young and how productive all those guys are still capable of in the NFL. So this is a touchy subject being a former player because when you see these guys, especially Josh Jacobs, Saquon Barkley, Derrick Henry, and all the rest of these free agent running backs, you see how hard they've worked to get to this point, and you know they deserve their money. Mm -hmm. You want to see those guys get paid. Also, we got to remember, a lot of people want to devalue the running back position Mm -hmm. until it comes to playoff time when you know you need that running back to be phenomenal and be that bell cow Mm -hmm. and anchor things and balance things out for you offensively. Now, I also say that because – Uh, With this to be said, too, when you look at the owner's perspective and it's about economics, right? It's about dollars and cents and how they can save money within their organization. When I look at guys like Kyron Williams, who was drafted in the fifth round by the Los Angeles Rams, it gives the owners ammo. When I see Davon Achen, who was drafted in the third round, Mm -hmm. and we see how phenomenal he was until he got a little injured. Yep. It gives the owners ammo. James Cook, who was drafted in the second round. Brees Hall in the second round. Kenneth Walker, the third, second round. Brian Robinson Jr., second round. You have Tyler Algier with the Atlanta Falcons. He had 1,000 yards in his rookie season before B. John Robinson got there. And we yep. see how dynamic both of those guys are being uh, together, being paired up. When you have all of these things, Freddie, mm-hmm. that go into these equations – we can be upset at the owners, but we also have to understand the perspective that, that, that they are coming from Absolutely. as well. Yeah. This is a business. So for them, it's business-minded first, right? They're not going to have any sympathy for the players not getting money if they can save a dollar when we're seeing guys, Isaiah Pacheco, for the Kansas City Chiefs who, who's won the Super Bowl back-to-back years, <laughs> yeah. and we've seen how pivotal Isaiah Pacheco was in 2023, when you talk about that playoff run for the Kansas City Chiefs, we've seen how pivotal he was in 2022 on their championship run. When you can get pennies on the dollar, 
and draft these running backs rounds two through seven, Mm -hmm. or even if you want to take one in the first round, Mm -hmm. you're basically guaranteed in first round running backs that you take, you're guaranteed six years because you can pick up the fifth year option. And after the fifth year option, you can franchise tag them. So what most of these uh, organizations think in their minds, like, okay, why would we want him after year six? They don't. We, we yeah. feel like they're depreciated. Yeah, well, that's how they look at They look at running backs the same way they look at cars. The minute a car leaves a showroom, that car's depreciating in value. The minute the running back is drafted or assigned by an NFL team, the first regular season carry that he has, he's already depreciated in value. Never mind the fact that the New York Giants are not the same football team when Saquon Barkley was injured. When he was fully healthy and helping out the quarterback, they got to the playoffs. And they were warned by saying, thanks a lot, Saquon. We're not giving you a long-term deal. Look what Jonathan Taylor had to go through just to get a long-term deal from the Indianapolis Colts. They valued that running back position, but not on, their t- not on his terms. On their terms. You got all three of the guys I mentioned earlier. Josh Jacobs, Saquon Barkley, Tony Pollard. All had at least seasons of 1,000 yards. You got a Derrick Henry, a man who, in my opinion, is on the course to get maybe in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Tennessee's like, thanks for everything. See you later because you're 30 years of age. And Austin Eckler's been a Swiss Army knife for the Chargers. They could care less about that. They've told everybody we're treating the running back position like a car in a showroom. You can look at it. You can take it for a test drive. You can chop the air conditioning. You can chop the pods, all that stuff. But the minute you buy it and drive it off the showroom floor, it's depreciating in value, and nothing is going to flip that around maybe ever in the National Football League when it comes to the running back position. I look at the Dallas Cowboys and how 2018, 19, 21, 22, they were top 10 in rushing. The 2020 season, that's the season that got hurt. Mm-hmm. They weren't. And then in 2023, you know, they didn't have that one-two punch. They didn't have that yeah. bell cow back. And I thought it hurt their their offense because now you're one-dimensional. And in, in my opinion, to win a Super Bowl no doubt. In, in today's game, you can't be one-dimensional because yeah. you have to run the football in playoff time. But if you don't kick the tires on one of those running backs out there, if you're the Dallas Cowboys, how about your quarterback and your defense? You're stupid. Then what the bleep are you doing? Yeah, you're stupid. No, no doubt about that. <laughs> SOS stuck on stupid. When it comes to Dallas, when it comes to court storming, good luck stopping that. That's next. Thanks for listening to the Freddie and Harry podcast on ESPN radio. You can also listen to Freddie and Harry live weekdays from three to seven Eastern on ESPN radio, the ESPN app and on Sirius XM channel 80. You can also watch and listen on the ESPN app, the Freddie and Harry podcast.